Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to tell you about SVPod, hosted by Scott Van Pelt alongside Stanford Steve. This podcast brings you high-level sports analysis, as well as stories of two dads raising kids. Plus, find out every Tuesday what they hate and see if you agree. That's SVPod. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, offers exclusive content Monday to Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, there will be a full cast of NBA experts and insiders, including Kendrick Perkins, Chenea Gumake, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, Woj, Ramona Shelbourne, and many of our NBA reporters from around the league. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap, and also available as a podcast. Listen to NBA Today wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my friend, Pro Bowl and Super Bowl champion Ryan Clark. In RC, this weekend we got UFC 271. We're going to talk about that. We also going to chat with Ty Tuivasa. And as we do every single week, we got to tap in, we got to tap out. But we go back to last weekend. Sean Strickland was able to get a victory over Jack Hermanson, a big victory. Mm-hmm. But as with a lot of these fights lately, there's some controversy. As one judge somehow scored the fight for Jack Hermanson. So then Eric Nitsa goes and says, hey, not even one media member scored it for Jack. I know we won the fight, but if this guy is still judging, he'll continue to make egregious decisions and ultimately he'll cost fighters their careers and livelihood. Fire Sal Diamato. Sal Diamato for a long time has been a judge. He's judged boxing for as long as I can remember, right? But on Saturday, mm-hmm. he got it wrong, Ryan. He got it wrong. Yes, he got it wrong. He did. Four rounds, essentially. How in the yep. world can these judges still be so blind as to what's happening at times? How are they not more knowledgeable in regards to a job that they are put in, especially when it ultimately can lead to a guy like Sean Strickland now being on the cusp of a title yeah. shot, to kind of being just a contender. You know what's so crazy, DC, is a lot of times we see this in fights that we think are close, but we still feel someone won three rounds to two or two rounds Mm -hmm. to one. It's very rare that it's something so egregious where a guy clearly lost the fight, but he ends up winning on one card. And you have to think about if this is a swing fight or if this is a swing card and the card that allows someone to advance to a championship contender or to a championship opportunity, and then someone else falls out of the rankings or falls out of the top five. And MMA fighters and people like you, DC, you work too dang hard to have a Mm -hmm. judge take that away from you. It's one thing if it's close, right? If things could have gone either way, but for a judge to be this wrong, in this magnitude of a fight for a guy like Sean Strickland, I think that's egregious enough for there to be some sort of penalty um, laid down by the UFC so these judges understand what's at stake when they're asked to do their jobs on these fight nights. You know what's a crazy thing for me? Um, Jack Hermanson knew he lost the fight. You could tell by his body language, his demeanor as they walked to the center for the decision to be read. Now, ultimately, I will never call for a man to lose his job, 
right? I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, that's not really my, my, my way of doing things. Sal D'Amato has a family, right? So obviously he takes care of his family with his job, but you have to be held accountable. You can't do these things and then just go on to the next one. We see this in sport where mm -hmm. a bad call, a bad decision, something like that happens. And then that, that official goes on to the next thing. He just moves yes. on. Whereas the person that was on the bad end of that has to live in that. It affects them long term. Whereas we may see Sal in two weeks doing another fight. He may be doing a championship yeah. fight down the line. It does to him. Right. It, they just move on. And unfortunately it's him well, in this situation. But again, there is a cl clear set of rules, Ryan, by which they are supposed to judge these fights by giving them those rules, those guidelines, those things. It would seem as though it would curve some of those bad decisions. Well, DC, let's go back to this playoff season, right? Go back to yep. the Cincinnati Bengals facing the Las Vegas Raiders. It was terrible calls that entire game. There was yeah, almost a touchdown taken away from the Cincinnati Bengals because of an inverted <laughs> whistle. And that crew yep. was no whistle. longer allowed to call games in the playoffs, right? So the NFL mm -hmm. said, you know what? Because you were so bad, because you were so off, and you could have affected the outcome of a game that people yes. have lived their entire lives to play, you can no longer be a part of this. We are not going to allow you to degrade or lessen mm -hmm. the integrity of the game mm -hmm. in such a way where we allow you to move forward, right? We will not reward this sort of behavior or this yes, sort of outcome you can. or this sort of, right. And so I think you have to do the same thing in UFC, so now what these is, officials or these judges understand that. But what does that look like, RC? But, like, what does that look mm -hmm. like for a guy who's called multiple championship boxing fights? I mean, we hear it. I mean, you've heard. When you start to recognize names, Sal Diamato right. and some of the other guys that have called fights, uh, Tony Weeks and all these guys that we, we – Adelaide Bird, who has for a long time had some questionable – I don't like to really talk about Adelaide. She's a nice lady – but questionable uh, scorecards. What does that look like? Because there's mm -hmm. boxing every weekend. There's UFC yeah. fights every weekend. If there's not UFC, there's Bellator. There's PFL. Mm -hmm. There are so many different fight cards that there are, these judges are going to get jobs, whereas there's right. one NFL, right? There's 32 yeah. games a week, and there's more officiating crews, especially come playoff time, Ryan, because guess what? If this was the regular season, and those guys made that same mistake, we would have seen those guys, but they would have been on an obscure game somewhere where it didn't right. really matter. They would have been the Lions versus yeah. somebody, and they would be calling that game. And I think that's Don't where do the Lions it like that. an issue. No, I'm just saying, dog. Yeah. It would be the, Lions, be the Lions versus, versus somebody, the Saints. The Jaguars. It would be the, no, dude, Lions and Jaguars would be playing, and, and, and Sal Diamato would be one of the referees. That would be happening <laughs> because you have to have them. And that's what I'm trying to get to. You got to have them. But we got to get mm -hmm. a more stern punishment for when they do make these types of mistakes. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And when you look at the way the fight ended, it was a dominant performance by Sean Strickland that we shouldn't be talking about what the judge's the scorecard card even was because they shouldn't have played into this fight in any type of way. It was one of those performances by Sean Strickland where I think he moves up and becomes the guy who can be a number one contender. If not the next fight, then the fight after this, after maybe fighting mm -hmm. one of those top five guys. When you look at his performance, though, DC, because from the outside looking in and also listening to Paul Felder, listening 
to Michael Bisping and they were saying how he wasn't really showboating or how he wasn't really talking trash. And they were saying it's because he understood who he was fighting. He understood that Hermanson could give him, you know, the type of trouble where if he got loose or if he wasn't as focused, he could lose this fight. When you look at his performance, do you feel like that's a performance that propels him to a title contender? You know, the word contender is definitely attached to Sean Strickland now. He's won six in a row. Now, when you talk about the performance on Saturday, whereas it was very clear what didn't happen, Ryan, was he didn't blow your socks off. It was more mm -hmm. meat and potatoes. It was meat and potatoes. Mm -hmm. It was it was forward. It was touch him, touch him, touch him. Nothing crazy explosive happened. Nothing yeah. that left you going, this guy should be fighting for the championship. Does it put him right. on the short list? Absolutely. Dude's 25 and 3 now. 12 and 3 in the UFC. Mm. He's won six in a row. He's a beast. But now right. he has to go out there and get one of those performances where you're left kind of going, wow, I've got to see Strong Strickland fighting yes. for the UFC championship. It'll take one more fight, but it did do mm -hmm. him some good because Jack Kermanson is for a long time considered one of the better middleweights in the world. Limited, yes. but he is one of the better middleweights in the world. And on Saturday, Strong Strickland did away with him 49-46. He won four rounds to one. And right. It shouldn't have been any question. And to go six in a row now would have stopped. But like I said, meat and potatoes, Ryan. Sometimes you got to blow their socks off, especially if you yeah. want to propel yourself into true title talk. Right now, he's on the cusp. He's a contender, right. but he's not on that, that, that very, very short list of guys that we are planning to see stand across from the winner of Israel Asanya or yeah. uh, Robert Whitaker this weekend. And, you know, it's crazy It's crazy that you mentioned that fight because you were talking about Sean Strickland not being explosive. What was explosive was Izzy win, Izzy's first win over Robert Whitaker, the, the finish of Robert Whitaker when Robert Whitaker was the guy that was at the top of the world, you know, and obviously still is one of the best middleweights living. When you think about this fight and, and the excitement that's been built because we've seen the matchup before and Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya are both better fighters than they were that night. Robert Whitaker's already come out and said, you know what? Ego was involved in the buildup to the fight and I was angry and I just wanted to take this guy's head off. And then Izzy's talking about just the beautiful science of, of violence. What excites you most about watching these men step into the octagon this weekend? The rematch. The rematch, obviously, anytime you get to see Israel Adesanya fight, it's an event. I said one time, he's the guy that makes people want to come together. Like, Ryan, you'll call your buddies and be like, hey, man, at the house, I got the fights. When Israel Adesanya fights, he's one of those guys that makes you call a friend, let's get together, let's watch this. Robert Whitaker is a long-reigning middleweight champion, a guy with all the skills in the world. What I look forward to, and I love, this is why I love rematches, what team can make the better adjustments? How do you get Rob right. to not try and fight as though he's Kelvin Gastelum? Because I believe that right. got him in fight number one. How do you get Izzy to fight the same type of fight while making enough changes in order to keep him a step ahead of Robert Whitaker? who looks better today than he did before. But I remember right. that arena, 61,000, Ryan, in Australia. Edison, uh, New Zealand, uh, from Australia, 
Robert Whitaker from New Zealand. Those guys are maybe it's flip flop New Zealand. New Zealand is the Australia Robert Whitaker. Unbelievable arena, unbelievable excitement in the arena. But for Rob, it, when he talks about his ego, it's because when he was the champ, it all happened super fast for Izzy. It's very difficult to see the new guy just take the right. world by storm. And Edesanya had the belt 15 months into his UFC career, and it took Whitaker right. so long to accomplish the things that he had accomplished. So I can see how the ego played a part in his performance last time. I'm pumped. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm excited about it. These are two of the best fighters that, that are living right now, right? Obviously, the two top middleweights, and it really is no question. And when I think about rematches, I look at it as if you're playing the Baltimore Ravens twice a year. You know, and you have yep. that you have that first game. Both of you are tops in the AFC North, two of the best teams in the AFC, and one team just edges out another team, or one team is more physical than the other. Now you're watching film for that second time, trying to figure out how do I get one play better? And I would have to think that mm -hmm. Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker are trying to figure out how do I get one strike better? How do I get one attempted mm -hmm. takedown better? DC, when you were going into rematches of high stakes, right? The, the, the John Jones, the Stipe Miocic, what were you focusing on in those second fights to be better? What were the things you were watching? What were the ways you were training mm -hmm. to try to be at least one strike better, one takedown better than you were in fight one? You know, fight one to fight two, you try to clean up things. You feel, you feel like you have a better understanding of what the opponent's going to do. Fight two to three, all chips are on the table, right? Because you've seen everything. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's small adjustments because you can't overhaul everything because ultimately you're in that position because of who you are and who you were right. prior to the defeat. So going back to the drawing board, try, drawing board trying to do everything brand new, it's a massive mistake that so many fighters make. It's small little adjustments that you hope will close the gap. Because generally in fight one, it's pretty close. Fight two, mm -hmm. you get because you come back and show you're 1A in a division. Robert Whitaker has right. done that. Has Robert Whitaker showed new skill on the way to getting this rematch? Little things. But what he has all really showed is he's more willing to go wherever the fight takes place. So with Darren Till, mm -hmm. he took him down more. With, with yeah. Jared Cannonier, he hurt him, and he kept him on the, at range. So he's been more mm -hmm. willing to fight wherever the fight takes place and not force things. He forced a lot in the first fight right. against Israel Adesanya. And with a guy that can counter in the way that the last style bender can counter, you can't force anything. So for Bobby Knuckles, he has got to find his groove early but also be okay going through the grind like he did against Joel Romero two times. Going through the grind of the Darren Till fight and just doing enough to win. But as we've seen on multiple occasions, RC, Israel Adesanya is an absolute beast, man. So do you think, you, you kind of talked about Robert Whitaker having to learn to take the fight wherever it needs to go to get the W. When you've watched him in the last four three uh, three fights or four fights since fighting uh, Israel Adesanya, three fights. Has he improved enough to beat the last style bender in the rematch? Mm. You know what's crazy is is Ryan. He was good enough prior, right? But the first but one think, seemed the first one seemed dominant to me though. DC, yeah, it seemed it did. like but it, you, it, it it did. But 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 Ryan, it did, my brother. But guess why? We we saw Izzy 
go to hell and back to beat Kelvin Gaslam in April. Then when him and Rob fought in the fall, Rob is almost the same type of body style as Kelvin Gaslam. Rob presents wrestling issues for Izzy on paper. So Rob went into that fight with Kelvin Gaslam went through so much damage in that fight in Atlanta that by round five, Izzy was dropping him with everything. Remember Izzy stood there and yeah. I'm willing to die for this. I'm willing to die for this to be the champion, right? It's a moment that will live forever in the UFC. Gaslam almost had to go through that fire in order to make the fight look like it didn't by round five. Izzy had broke him down. That's why he got Mm -hmm. dropped and almost finished at the end of the round. So when Robert went into the fight, it seemed as though Robert goes, the blueprint has now been laid. Now I need to go and just attack him and make it dirty because I feel I'm tougher then Kelvin Gaslam, and that didn't work. Izzy was fresh. Izzy was popping him with the counters. He hit him with a nasty mm-hmm. check left hook and dropped him yep. and finished him. He was good enough then. But I think now he understands that he does not have to replicate what someone else did in order to try and beat Adesanya. Here's the danger. And I know it's a bit long-winded, Ryan. I'm sorry. Here's the danger. You, it, you saw Jan Bohovic. You saw Jan Bohovic fight very patient, wait, mm-hmm. get to the end of the fight, take him down, and it didn't look like Izzy was able to find anything or an, a, yeah. a way out from Jan. Yeah. Now you got to try to be careful not to try and go and do the same thing. It, it's a copycat world, man, in fighting. And um, Robert Whitaker cannot fall victim to that. You know, what? what's crazy is, is you get so excited to watch these top-level fighters get in the octagon and do the physical battle, right? The physical battle is what we generally see. It's what generally excites us fans. But it's the mental warfare and the the schematic battle that we don't necessarily understand or give enough credit. Guys like you Mm -hmm. who have actually been in the heat and been in the fight understand that, okay, just because it's like saying that because one team beat another team and we beat that team, we could be the team yeah. we're playing. Like, that's not the way it works. Like, all fights nope. and all styles, all bodies, they present different matchups. And, and that's what's exciting about this weekend to me because not only do we have the fight between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker, we're also going to see Derek Lewis and Ty Tuivasa. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like, I don't know if I've ever been excited for a fight that might not even go two minutes. Like, I don't know if I've ever been more excited to see two dudes. I mean, we got the Knockout King and we got the Shoey King doing battle on Saturday night in H-Town And that. <laughs> After we saw Derrick Lewis not show up in H-Town when he had an opportunity. You, know? you got to tell me, because, you know, you're the former heavyweight champ, bro. How pumped are you to see these two dudes get into the octagon and slug it out? You know, generally, you see this fight to start a pay-per-view because... We okay. try to rile you up before the broadcast start. Then the moment the lights hit, boom, here come two dudes that are going to lay it out on the line. Now you're getting this in the co-main event. It's going to be crazy. Tai Tuivasa has now righted the ship. This dude was 3-3 three and three on his way out of the UFC if he didn't win his fight against Stefan Struve. He's won four in a row now, look more impressive every single time out. But now he's fighting the greatest knockout artist the UFC has ever seen in Derek Lewis. Ever seen. And for Derek Lewis... Yeah. And for Derek Lewis, RC, this is ideal. This is the perfect matchup for the Beast because he ain't going to be trying to take him down. 
He's not going to be clinching and wrestling him. He will not be trying to fight him at range. Tai Tuivasa is going to put his, his face in there, and he's going to go to try to knock out the Black Beast. We've never seen the Black Beast hurt much by people punching as much as Ty does. Right. But with Derek Lewis, if you're not careful, it only takes one from Derek Lewis to knock you out. The dude is extremely powerful. And this fight, Ryan, is guaranteed to deliver. There's also a fight between two fan favorites. Generally, people love Ty. But in Houston, Derek Lewis is the king. And this dude is he's tough, man. He's a tough, tough guy to beat out there in Houston. Yeah, so here's my so so here is my question though. When I saw this match made, obviously I'm excited because the styles of the fighters, but it almost seems like Derek Lewis, at least from a ranking standpoint, is fighting someone who's not on his caliber. It's good for the fans because of the excitement, but you're fighting a guy outside of the top 10. Is this a huge risk? For the Black Beast, because if you lose to Ty, then what does that say about the rest of your career and the hopes of getting another title shot down the line? You know, Ryan, it's such a harsh reality. It's such a harsh world we live in, right? Because it's doggy dog. When you get a guy like Derek, who has fought for the belt twice, who has lost twice, who has lost to the Cyril Gons of the world and the friend yeah. myself, and he has lost to uh, those types of guys. Now it becomes his position in the world for people to kind of jump him. Remember, last fight he fought Chris Dawkins, a very young heavyweight that wasn't supposed to really be on his level. And guess what Derek did? Derek he disposed of him. He knocked him out right. bad. So it's like once you've been at the top for so long, the, 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 the reality is you start going back towards 10 and then ultimately out of the top 15. And that's where he finds himself until... Uh, there's some changes at the top of the division if he can keep beating guys like Ty Tuivasa. But, hey, you know, it's, 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 it's a jungle out there, Ryan Clark, man. And yeah. when you have fought and lost that, you know, fought for that belt and lost, you become that guy that they start to put you in there with these young guys that are on a run. It'll be up to you yeah. whether or not you become their cannon fodder or if you stay where you, you are or you feel like you belong to be. Right. Listen, Ty Tuivasa took this fight... Uh, let's say under some <laughs> interesting circumstances, and maybe we'll get to ask him about that in, in a second. Yes. But when you look at the opportunity <laughs> to fight someone who's fought for the championship, uh, shoot, more than one time, when, when you think yeah. about this opportunity for him, what does this do for him if he gets a win against Derrick Lewis? You know, for Ty Tuivasa, Ryan, if he can get this done, if he could beat the number three heavyweight in the world, he will obviously go into the top 10. He will start to make his way towards championship contention, something that, honestly, not many people thought was in Ty Tuivasa's future, especially when he's losing to guys like Sergey Spivak, who is also a good fighter, but by just wrestling him. But Ty, being the smart guy that he is, went and dealt with the issues that he was having in the wrestling. He was in San Jose for a while working with us, trying to get better, shore up those holes, it's a credit to Ty to understand where he was struggling, go back and get it done. But, I mean, look at him. Harry Hunsucker, <laughs> he came in on short notice. Ty knocked this dude out so fast. I mean, I mean, a name like Harry Hunsucker. I mean, come on. <laughs> you saw what he did to Greg Hardy. You saw what he did to Greg Hardy, right? Yes, sir. And then the Augusto Sakai one was scary. 
He was out yeah. for so long that we panned the camera yeah. away from the guy because he wasn't giving off the ground, getting off the ground. So you know what Tai Tuivasa brings to the octagon, and that is absolute devastating power. But Derek Lewis mm-hmm. brings the same thing, so it's guaranteed to be a really, really good fight. Listen, that's why we can't wait for fights like these. And listen, the UFC is anything but stupid. And they understand that as fans, no matter if it's three against 11 or one against two, if you promise us fireworks, we are tuning in. But speaking of fireworks, we don't have to talk about what Tai Tuivasa might do or might feel because we're about to ring his phone and make sure we get him on this show so we can have a little conversation. Y'all check this out. And now for more on the fight, it's time for one round with my boy, my brother, Big Bam, Ty Tuivasa. Bam, you're down in Houston, my friend. How you feeling? I'm good, bro. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, Ty, you're in Houston. Derek Lewis is from Houston. You've won mm-hmm. four in a row. Biggest fight of your career to this point. How does it feel on the Tuesday prior to going into the octagon with a guy that has fought for the UFC Championship twice? Uh, pumped. It's another fight, you know what I mean? But uh, it's obviously the biggest part of my career, and I, I think I'm ready for it. Ty, coming into this fight, and DC kind of read some of Derek Lewis's achievements and some of the fights that he's been in. Has been in. What are you doing to pre- prepare yourself for the magnitude of this fight? Or are you really just looking at it as the next fight you need to win to continue climbing the charts or the rankings at the heavyweight division? Uh, yeah, not not looking too much into it, to be honest. Just, like, doing what I usually do, you know, focus on myself, making sure I'm trying to get better. And, uh, yeah, once I've been doing that, it's it kind of been working out. So just taking it, you know, one day at a time. Yeah. You know, you told me when you came out to San Jose to train that you were kind of learning on the job. You were just a guy that was tough, that was willing to fight. But now as you've gone on this four-fight win streak, do you feel like the lessons have been learned to make you a top-level heavyweight? Or do you still feel like you're learning and getting better every single day? I, I definitely feel like I belong here, but I, I'm definitely still learning. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's the thing about this sport, you know what I mean? I think that's what we everyone who does this sport, you don't stop learning. Uh, <laughs> there's always some move that someone's trying to come up with to fucking snap your neck off or some shit like that, so... <laughs> I'm always learning it. I feel like I feel like I'm just uh, kind of getting better. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like there's still heaps more to come. So Ty, you have an exciting style of fighting. It's what we want to see our heavyweights be—a guy who's willing to stand toe to toe and trade. The first actual fight I was ever in the arena for, you fought Greg Hardy. Listen, I'm a former football player, bro. So when we <laughs> see football players, we feel like we're the toughest men in the world and Greg got a good shot on you and he started to kind of try to back you into the cage and you just put him to sleep, bro. And then you jump on the cage, you do a <laughs> shoey. What, what is the emotion like when you know you're standing across from another bad man and you prove that you're the baddest man in the octagon? Well, that's what attracts me to this, this, this whole fighting thing is exactly what you just said. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, you know, kind of one-on-one man on man. And, the best man comes out on top, and uh, that's what that's what I love about fighting, and that's what I've always loved about fighting. So there's always there's always someone better, that's for sure. 
Yeah. You know, Bam, as your, Bam, as your friend, as your brother, I understand what a night after a night like that looks like for Ty Tuivasa. <laughs> I know what it looks like for Big Bam. But Big Bam, <laughs> I read something that said you accepted the fight when you were drunk. So, I mean, you're completely <laughs> out of your mind. You're, I was blank out drunk. I didn't notice until the next morning the UFC matchmaker, McMaynard, messaged me, and I had messaged him back that I would take the fight. Ty, come on, man. I mean, come on, Ty. Is this just for fun or is this real? Nah, nah, it was real. I was, I had, uh, I had the interview with Ariel uh, just the night before, and I was on the, I was on the piss with him, and then um, I kept going after that, and then uh, I found out about it, yeah, that night. So, and so it's meant to be. Once you... <laughs> <laughs> and so obviously, you know what? You you wake up, you wake up, and you read it, and you realize that you've taken the fight. You realize that you've accepted it. Tell us what type of challenge you feel that Derek Lewis presents to you on fight night. Oh, he's a he's ever he's a king of he's a he's a knockout king. Uh, it speaks for himself, you know. I've been a fan of Derek. Uh, I've watched him since I was uh, since I started this. So. Uh, mm. I know what he's going to bring, you know, and he knows what I'm going to bring, and I think that's the whole point of the fight. You know what I mean? Um, I think that I'm I'm younger than him. I think I'm faster than him, and uh, I think that I'm going to shock the world come this weekend. You know, Ty, you fought in front of 60,000 in Australia. It didn't go your way. I kept taking you down over and over again. Derek Lewis also succumbed to the pressure of fighting for the heavyweight championship in Houston. But now he goes right back to Houston. What did you? What do you expect when you hit the curtain on 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 Saturday night? Because generally you get positive responses. But it's his hometown. He's a Texas guy, Houston guy. What are you expecting? How do you expect to deal with not only Derek Lewis but also fighting in front of a hostile crowd? Uh, I think you know yourself. You know what I mean. You're a fighter. The crowd doesn't help you either way when you when the when. <laughs> when the cage door shuts, you know what I mean? But uh, I'm prepared for some booze, you know? But um, let's just wait till Australia opens up and then uh, let my people fly <laughs> over, you know what I mean? I'm sure I've got an army coming once once all this COVID bullshit uh, goes away. But... Hey, Bam, Bam, listen, Bam, yeah. you're spending so much time in Abu Dhabi that the people in Australia, we've wrote you off. I mean, I'm one of the Australians, <laughs> we done wrote you off. They don't even fool with you no more. You done spending so much time in Abu Dhabi in five-star hotels that we Australians have wrote you off. I'm sorry. Uber. We Australians. Who is we? Me, me and our, <laughs> me and my Australian people have wrote him off. Uh, Australia never write me off. They never write me off. <laughs> yeah, Ty, I got, I got one last question, bro. Like I said, you, you were a part of the first fight card I ever got to see in person, and you did the shoey. Uh. How many is the most you've ever done in one night? And if you beat Derek Lewis, how many can we expect to see from you in H-Town at the after party? I go all day, all night. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Whenever, wherever. <laughs> I'm down for it. Hey, but, Todd. Uh, I love you, man. Everyone asks, everyone asks me that question. I don't know how to answer it without myself sounding like a pure scumbag. But yeah, I, I just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ty, what about when the boy poured beer in your eye last time? How did it feel when yeah. Bobby Heaton boy poured beer in your eyes? <laughs> Bro, the guy behind me was fucking pushing me out of there. I could have killed him. 
<laughs> Good thing you didn't. Good thing uh, you didn't, uh, big dog. Hey, I good luck this weekend. Bro, you, I saw you grab your eye like, what in the hell? That At that moment, how you got to kind of question the degeneracy that you are partaking in when people pour beer right. in your eye. Like, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. You know what I'm saying? Just maybe. Yeah. My brother, good uh, luck this weekend, man. Enjoy yourself. Thank you for joining us. Man, best of luck. Appreciate you, brother. Ryan, listen. That story about him being like lights out drunk, dude. Crazy. Wait, wait till we get together. Wait till we get together and I'll you hang out with Ty. We won't party or hang out and drink with Ty, but he'll tell you stories. The dude's out of his mind. Ryan Clark, I can imagine only Ty would have taken a fight like that. It's absurd. Hey, I tell you what, though. When you take a fight like that, under those type of conditions and circumstances, you already know you got to show up and show out. And that's what we expect him to do. And listen, this dude, he, he's becoming an all-star. Some would even say yep. a pro bowler. And speaking of pro bowls, we just had one <laughs> this we weekend. They Here didn't we do a ton in them. Ooh. But we're going to make our MMA Pro Bowl picks, right? So this is our draft. So we won't be drafting the Aaron Rodgers and we won't be drafting the Trayvon Diggs. But we will get to pick some fighters and put them on our Pro Bowl teams. And obviously, just as any other list we make, any other team we make, mine's going to be the best. So, Corporate Jay, get a story. I'm about to smash this dude. I'm about to smash this dude. All right, guys, here's the criteria. One fighter selected from each division. Now, since there's no rankings for the women's featherweight division, we're going to leave that out. Once a fighter is drafted, he or she is no longer eligible to be selected by the other individual. And selections are based exclusively off of 2021's performances. Oh, okay, okay. So, RC. Okay, okay. RC so with the first so here, pick. Wait, Cobra Jake. Cobra Jake. Yes. Here's my question. Do I pick first every <laughs> round, or will DC get to pick first in the second round? No, so we'll, we'll, we'll do snake format. Round. We'll do snake format. No, I'll take snake. every round. We'll nah, do, we'll do, we'll, Here we go. We'll do snake format. RC, you first. All right, with number one, I'm going to the welterweight men's division, and I'm starting Ooh. out with Kamaro Uzman. Yes, that is my number <laughs> one pick. He gets all the Pro Bowl votes. He would get all the votes from the fans. He'd get them all from the players, the coaches, and the executives. Yeah. This is the dude that had okay. a great year. He capped off the year with another win over Kobe Covington. We had a huge knockout early on in the year against Jorge Masvidal. This dude's on a roll. I think he's the best pound for pound in the game. And that's my first selection for my Pro Bowl team. You took the fighter of the year. Great job, Ryan. Hey, as the galley erupts because Ryan Clark made a great pick. You know what, man? I'm taking I'm taking the heavyweight champion of the world, Francis Ngannou. I am taking, yes, Kamaru Usman got all the all-star votes, but he was only second to the baddest man on the planet, Francis Ngannou. Heavyweight champion of the world in 2021. Just to start this year, defended his belt. So I know they mm -hmm. said only to my performance, but that knockout of Stipe Miocic, to me, makes for him to be my number one pick. So I'm going to the heavyweight. I'm taking Francis Ngannou. At number two, because okay. it's a snake draft, I get to okay. go second. I am taking... Valentina Shevchenko, because Valentina okay. Shevchenko is the most dominant fighter across all divisions in the UFC. I don't need to go back into telling you how great Valentina is. I stated that case at the end of the year. She is mm -hmm. number one pound-for-pound woman's fighter in the world, and I am taking her with my second pick, Valentina Shevchenko, the bullet. Okay, so here's my second pick, and I like the Valentina Shevchenko pick. She was probably... Second in 2021 to Rose Namajunas, though. 
And so mm. where now you're feeling like, oh, look at me. I'm DC. I'm all big and bad. <laughs> I got Valentina Shevchenko. <laughs> now I have already upped that, right, by getting Rose Namajunas. And my third pick is going to be, and now this is only because it's 2021. This is not a Lifetime Achievement Award. This is not the Hall of Fame. My third pick is going to be Glover Teixeira. Not just because the year was overall the greatest year, but this is a dude that fought back from losses to guys like John Jones that's been in this game forever, and he got his chance against John Behovitz and finally got an opportunity to get the light heavyweight belt wrapped around his waist. So Glover is going to be my next pick. Okay, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. I will admit that, but... I think it's a bit of a reach considering <laughs> considering that you didn't take this guy that you love so much. So for my third pick, I'm going down to the I'm going down to the favelas of Brazil. Well, previously of the favelas <laughs> of Brazil cuz now he is up on the mountaintop next to that Jesus statue. My boy Du Bronx, Charles Oliveira, for what oh, he good did call. In good call. That's your boy. I can't believe you missed your good boy. Call. I'm taking good Charles call. Oliveira. I'm taking Charles Oliveira because Charles Oliveira won the belt, defended the belt all in 2021. So, with my third pick, Charles Oliveira at number four. I mean, this is just too easy. I can't believe they're giving me back to back picks and they got champions all over the board. I could throw. I, I am taking. I am taking. This is going to be. I'm taking Piotr Jan. I'm taking Piotr Jan at 135 as the no, champion. No, no. Listen, no, listen. I'm taking Piotr Jan at 135 as the champion because the controversial loss to Aljamain Sterling, but to come back and beat Corey Sanhagen in the way that he did in Abu Dhabi to become the interim champion is why I am taking Piotr Jan with my fourth pick. I'm on, I'm on fire today. I am on fire okay. today. Okay, so with my next pick... I'm taking Alexander Volkanovsky, right? Not only not only did he have one of the best fights of the year against Brian Ortega, Ortega, he also was part of the best round of the year, which is the third round of that fight, and he survived, DC. He survived that round and ended up finishing on top. That was one of the best yeah. rounds of the year by yeah. one of the best fighters in the, in the entire game. And that was something that we will that remember for the entire 2021. Now, have another I have another pick, right? I'm gonna go with Juliana Pena, right? Because oh this is a woman goodness. that took down the lioness, bro. <laughs> it's the lioness, and he she took her down. She did you know, you you hated on Amanda Nunes for an entire year. And then I had to finally admit that you were right. You said it. You said it was going to be a tough fight. You said she was going to take her into deep water, and she did. And we were all shocked, but it happened. And so that's where I'm going with that pick. You know what? You talk all that. <laughs> I, I, will t I will take Amanda Nunes at 135 as my uh, fifth pick. I will take the GOAT because even though she lost, she's still the greatest woman's fighter of all time. I will take Amanda Nunes at number five. At Bantamweight, because obviously we can't use Featherweight. And then my next pick, I'm going up to 205. I'm taking Yuri Prohachka. Yuri Prohachka Ooh, is a beast. Good Yuri call. Prohachka weighed in as a backup 
whenever Glover fought against John Blahovich, Yuri Prohachka knocked out Dominic Reyes, who fought John Jones, really, really close. So at number six for me, I'm taking Yuri Prohachka, who is now fighting for the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship this year. Okay, so with this pick, I'm going to take, I'm going to go back to the bantamweights. I'm going to take Jose Aldo. And here's why I'm taking oh, wow. Jose Aldo. Okay. Okay. Jose, Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo was a guy that, that we were putting in the discussion of being the gatekeeper, right? We, we were wondering, was he now going to be the guy that, that you had I'm fighting to see who would get an opportunity to be in the top five? He gets huge wins, and he comes back and shows us he's just as explosive. He's just as quick. He's just as on fire. What? <laughs> Or see, I'm kind of quick to call somebody a gatekeeper. Huh? I mean, I keep yeah, that's every time. What is going on? Why do I keep? I just try to put I try to put Derek Lewis in the gatekeeper too. Like, what am I doing? Yeah, bro? that's, that's like, what you want, that, That's what you do. That's what you do. <laughs> and so, let me see. So, I, I I've had a. Ooh, you had a straw weight. You had you had a one fifteen. You had a one. Oh, you didn't have one twenty five girls. You had one thirty five. You had yep. one forty five. You had 170, you had 205, so you're at pick number six right now. You know what? I'm going to come back, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to give you, and now this guy wasn't as active late in 2021 because he was waiting on the fight, and he's going to fight uh, Jared Cannonier. But Derek Brunson, and here's why I'm going to pick okay, Derek Brunson. Okay, Derek okay. Brunson, after, be, after being beat, by Israel Adesanya has fought his way back to basically being in the contender fight. If Derek Brunson on if Derek Brunson beats Jared Cannonier, I believe he will have the next opportunity to be in what Israel Adesanya, if he wins this fight, calls his lap around the division. <laughs> so do I have another one? No, I just picked two. It's up to you now. Yeah, you you picked two, so now it's my turn. Listen. I think this pick so late, because I think I'm picking number seven and eight. Am I picking seven and eight right now, Corporate Jake? Yes, you are. I'm picking seven and eight right now. So I think this speaks to how a little bit of the shine has come off my guy uh, uh, because he lost to Jan Bohovic. But to get Israel Adesanya at seven, Ryan? I mean, I know he didn't mm. beat Jan Bohovic to become double champion, but he did beat right. Marvin Vittori to retain his championship. So I got to take Israel Asanya, but I think that it speaks to how he's viewed because he lost going up in weight class. So by taking the chance, this guy got picked seventh. Generally, we would take Izzy with the number one pick or the number two pick. He would never be available this late in the draft. So I'm taking Israel at Asanya um, at middleweight with my seventh pick. My number eight pick, I'm going to go to welterweight like you, Ryan, but this time, I'm going to take Kobe Covington. I know, mm. I know, I know. He's lost twice. He hasn't beat Kamaru Usman with the fight in Madison Square. Nope, sorry. Sorry, stop. X. I don't want Kobe Covington. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I didn't put the, I didn't give, I didn't give the commission. I didn't give Goodell the actual envelope. No, you went. So I no, over no. The back. I walked over no. and pulled it back. I'm taking no. Hamza Chimayev. I'm taking Hamza Chimayev with my pitch. I'm thinking, how about you, Mayim, with my pick at Walter Wade? Sorry, I almost gave it to the commission, but then I pulled it back. I'm thinking, how about you, Mayim? Okay, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to, 
You know what? You know what I'm going to pick just because you say that? <laughs> I'm going to take Islam Makachev. That oh, is what I'm going to go with. He's a dirty son of a gun. He's a dirty son of a gun. That's where I'm going to go with my next pick. I think, I think DC, that that is a great decision by me oh, to make it that is. pick and go with Islam wow. Makachev. No. Let's see, wow. where are we? I still need, I think I still need a lightweight. So, for lightweight. No, he's lightweight. Islam, Islam's lightweight. Oh, I Islam Islam lightweight. Mom. Yeah, you I did. need a heavyweight. I think you, I think you need a heavyweight, dog. I need a heavyweight. <laughs> Derek Lewis, Cyril Gaon. You, you know take, what? I mean, I'm going to stick with. Would, would John Jones qualify as a heavyweight now? Yeah, but John Jones is, is just sitting outside, not doing anything right now, bro. We can't go with him. Hold on. You know what? I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna have to go with Stipe Miocic without even fighting. Wow! What here's about Cyril? He became the champ last year. No, here's why: because by sitting out, Stipe Miocic has now sat out, allowed all these things to happen in that division, and we are mm -hmm. waiting on him to fight John Jones. And if he fights and beat John Jones, he will have an opportunity to be the champion again. I'm going with Stipe Miocic for sitting on mm -hmm. his butt, chilling, mm -hmm. waiting his turn. So so it's my picks now. I got two. So first off, I'm going to 145. I am going to what I believe is the greatest featherweight of all time. Max Blessed Holloway is my 145-pounder because after losing that fight, the Volkanovski comes back and has an absolute war with Yair Rodriguez, but not even that. More impressively... Max Bless Holloway pitches an absolute shutout in January against Calvin Cater. So for me, 145 is Max Blessed Holloway. My 115, my straw weight, my women's straw weight, 115. You know who I'm going to take, man? Honestly, I got to go Carlos Barza. I know it's not a sexy pick. I know it's not a pick that knocks your socks off. But when I tell you she's been consistent, and she's been consistently good, consistently winning. I am taking Carla Esparza as my women's strawweight. Or flyweight, sorry. Like strawweight. My women's strawweight. Because she is on the short list for a, a title fight in a rematch against someone that she beat the first time that they fought. So for me, it's going to be Carla Esparza at 115 pounds women's against Rose Namajunas coming up uh, sometime this year, I would think. So let's see. So where I'm at, I, I think I wish I went Jose Aldo. Corporate J, help me out. What what weight classes yeah. do I You only have got one left. You nope. Only got so one so left. Ryan, Ryan has two weight classes left. Women's flyweight and men's flyweight. Oh, okay. 125. Okay. 125, 125. I took Valentina too. I mean, because you know Valentina. Yeah, you did that, you did that early, bro. I did. Yeah, I she, she's beating everybody. Like, I want to say Jessica Andrade, but... She absolutely dominated her. Um, yes, she did. I mean, is Casey O'Neill at one twenty-five? Corporate Jake, she's one twenty-five, right? Yes, Casey O'Neill's at one twenty-five. That's thank what you, you for pick, giving Ryan. me a pick. I'm helping you out. There I'm you helping go. you out. Thank Ryan. you for thank you for for giving me a pick. This is this is where the football player who only knows who was at the top <laughs> of the list for this year starts to 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 kick my butt. And so I need a flyweight <laughs> man too. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Moreno even though he lost to what Davis uh, Davis and Figueroa. 
just be this. Yeah, yeah. Listen to this. This is a dude who fought himself out of the organization, back in, and truly gave us two of the best fights of the year. You you have the you have the fight that goes to draw in 2020. You come back and you win it, and then you lose it in what was one of the closest fights of the entire year in a five mm-hmm. round war. So I can live with that. I can live with that, Great even brain. though Lego, even though Lego will not give my boy a sponsorship because his fans are too old. I'm taking I'm taking the champ Davison Figueroa at 125, when you come back and win your championship, especially when people thought that you were going to be a long-running champion, when you get the job done in the way that he did, for me, it's Davis and Figueredo. So I know now, as I'm done with my draft, that my list is better than yours, Ryan. There's no way that... Just because you pick champions. Corporate Jake, corporate Jake, give me the... My question is this. Ryan, I don't want to hear you picked the guy that you picked the guy that had to beat my guy in a five round war when my guy choked yes. him out in the second round in the same year. Yeah, but it doesn't matter though. It still it it goes to Davis and Figueroa. All right, guys, just recapping: Ryan, your Pro Bowl, Rose Namajunas, Brandon Moreno, Casey O'Neill, Jose Aldo, Juliana Pena, and continuing. Alexander Volkanovsky, Islam Makachev, Kamara Usman, Derek Brunson, Glover Teixeira, and Stipe Miocic. Daniel, your final roster looks like this. Carla Esparza, Davison Figueredo, Valentina Shevchenko, Piotr Jan, Amanda Nunes, Max Holloway, Charles Oliveira, Hamza Shemaev, Israel Adesanya, mm-hmm. Yuri Prohaska, and Francis Ngannou. It's good. It's there, good. There was only one champion left off the Pro Bowl roster, Aljamain Sterling. You see, That's not so really the champ, no, but he is the champion. But the problem is, I chose uh, I chose uh, Piotr Jan as the champion at one thirty five. When in reality, Algermain is the champion. Ryan, don't dog him out. Lastly, uh, it's 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 just difficult uh, to to choose him when Piotr looked as good as he did last time. Sorry, I'm not dogging anybody that can fight. Trust me, I don't want no smoke. <laughs> Come on. ARC, it's time to tap in. It's time to tap in. It's time to tap in. Let's roll. All right, guys. The aforementioned Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes were announced last week as the upcoming season of Tough as the coaches. That means later this year, the two will have a rematch for the Bantamweight title. So, RC, tap mm-hmm. in or tap out Nunes wanting an immediate rematch at 135 rather than focusing on 145. I tap in. I tap in because when you're as dominant of a champion as Amanda Nunes was in two weight classes, you're supposed to take the rematch to try to win your belt back. Now, if you lose it, you can always move up. But even moving up, like there is no weight class, really. There is no rankings in that weight class. Like this is the one that would matter. And so to me, as a champion, you have to go back and try to earn your belt against someone that dominated you through two rounds mm-hmm. and finished you with a rear naked choke. I believe it's the right the right fight. I tap in. You know, if anyone's earned an immediate rematch is Amanda Nunes, obviously. So she uh I just wonder what she's going to do different this quickly, Ryan, because she now has yeah. left American Top Team. She has started her right. own team. I, we don't know the issues that led to that move. So maybe we'll mm-hmm. have a new, refreshed Amanda Nunes in the rematch. I'll tell you this much, though. 
Amanda Nunes will still go into that fight a massive favorite, and more people will feel confident going into that rematch than they did in fight number one. So even on a loss, I think she's earned a chance to try to get the title back. And now we get to watch him on Tough. So good job. Corporate Jake. All right. Recently, during an NCAA wrestling match, a kid went out from a guillotine, and the official completely missed it. DC, tap mm -hmm. in or tap out on a change needs to be made on how situations like this are handled. Ryan, you watch that, right? And look, man, the, I, the coach is upset. He's one of my friends, Neil Erickson. But, like, he got a team point taken away from him, and the pen was upheld. I don't have a problem. Look, I don't have a problem with the move. You get a front headlock, you will squeeze that front headlock as hard as you can as an athlete. It's on officials to protect the kids. We talked about this earlier, Ryan. Judges, officials, they make mistakes, and they just move on. What yeah. happens to the person that really does bear the brunt of what happens? So I'm tapping in. The NCAA needs to take a look into this. As you said, those officials in the NFL game were held accountable. Officials need to be held accountable for making those types of mistakes because you don't get to get choked out many times in your life. Now that yeah. young man had to do it already as a young kid. Yeah, I, I, I tap in on officials being held accountable um, except, especially in a situation like this, a situation that could cause bodily harm. And also, we always have to keep in mind that this is still amateurism, right? You aren't getting paid to do this. This isn't your job. This isn't about livelihood. And a lot of times, this isn't necessarily what you just chose to do. And so for, for me, just being a father, bro, and, and understanding the type of fear I have, even watching my son play football, which yeah. is something I did my entire life. You never want to see a young man in that position he was once the fight was finally over. I agree with your friend who was the coach. I would be absolutely livid. And it's worth losing a point if you get an opportunity to make your point to that referee or official that that is unacceptable. Yep. Unacceptable. And that's reviewed it, Ryan, and upheld the yep. call, which was it's, it's crazy, man. Something absolutely yeah. needs to be done. Corporate Jake. All right, guys, on a lighter note, adding another unique sport to our growing list. This week we have Kabaddi. Object here is to tag a member from the opposing team <laughs> and make it back over the halfway line bro. before being tagged. So, RC, tap in or tap out? Bro, I tap in on this, and here's the reason. It's always on in the green room oh my at ESPN at the headquarters, <laughs> and I am captivated by it, bro. And... It's oh also on on the TV with no sound. So I don't know what the hell is going on. It just looks like a very intense game of full tackle mixed with karate mixed <laughs> with tag. And so, bro, I think I totally tap in. Me and DC need to get a team together, start a start us an over 40 league, and start playing this <laughs> in DC's big backyard or at this huge gym that Michael Chandler's building in his. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you see Michael Chandler's backyard gym? But this Kabaddi, I'm tapping in. I'm, I mean, look at the athleticism. Ryan, the reality is we ain't playing Kabaddi because I remember you tried to guard me at ESPN one time, and I beat you off the line so bad. If you can't guard me at this point, there's no way you're going to be able to tag these dudes in Kabaddi. Because, I mean, DC, there's video you made there's video. There's video proof of me beating you off the line. An NFL pro bowler, there's video proof of me beating you off the line. I, I'm telling you, I look just like Jordan uh, Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. I look just like Jefferson. 
No, I, you, you were right. You look like you look like Jordan Jefferson, who is Justin Brick Brother Justin that played Jefferson. quarterback at LSU. Justin, that's who you look, I look like. like. Justin Jefferson. I hit you with the. I hit you with that. You look terrible. Inside you leverage. Terrible. Inside leverage. DT. Inside leverage. Hey, hey, Cole. Hey, put it right there. Your only hope right was to there. put it right there. You can't Ryan. catch. Ryan, you can't right catch. There. Or put you were locked up, bro. You were locked up. Hey, man. Hey, Ryan. DC. <laughs> I just DC, get, I have I to want, admit. I just want to get. I, my my I level admit, of self-confidence You got me in the draft. You. you would not catch a football on me, bro. Ain't no Ryan, way. I just, I just want to be able to catch it on the sideline, keep my toes in. Like, I want to. Ooh, let's go. DC, what the like? I mean, come on. DC, DC don't do it like do that. Do you know how low they'd have to throw that ball? Like, you know how low they had to throw the ball for you to keep your toes down and catch it? <laughs> right, that, that ball had to be thrown for Triple C, Henry Cejudo. Ain't no way. Hey, Ryan. Look how big your, look how big your Nike shirt is, DC. Ain't no way. Look, Ryan. Ain't no way, bro. Hey, enjoy hey the man, fight. y'all enjoy the fights. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.